Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday. I'm the Chief Science Officer for the Autism Science Foundation, and thank you for listening to the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. I think there's some confusion about what's meant by the word heritability of autism and how it's measured. That's not your fault. You aren't misunderstanding anything. It seems to be the way things are communicated, both by scientists and people reporting on the scientists. This week was no different, and even though the data is solid, the meaning is just not completely clear from what you might read in the news. The study is great, by the way. The title is Association of Genetic and Environmental Factors with Autism in a Five-Country Cohort. It doesn't seem that long ago, even though it was 10 years ago, that the scientific leaders and epidemiology of these five countries met to discuss how they would combine their data around autism. Since then, they've published on things like parental age and autism and the use of online tools to get over the annoying restrictions that each individual country has on sharing data. Believe it or not, each country has restriction on data that can leave the country, making cross-country comparisons difficult logistically. These guys figured out a way around that. The countries are Western Australia, Israel, Sweden, Denmark, and Finland. Now, by themselves, each of these countries have the opportunity to use their data to make really powerful statements about autism. Joined together, they can make even more powerful statements. The goal of the study was to estimate the heritability of autism across the world. They didn't have genetic samples. Well, maybe they did, but they didn't use these genetic samples in this study. What they did is to compare the recurrence of autism in siblings and cousins and track the origin to whatever parent. This required some information found in registries, which are those amazing data sources that exist around the world that use numbers to track everything from prescriptions during pregnancy to then the outcome in those grandchildren. The U.S. doesn't have an official registry, but some of our insurance systems like Kaiser Permanente in California and Georgia do have this capability and have been doing this sort of work for years. But these countries, they can track an autism diagnosis in cousins and siblings as long as they stay in that country to get that diagnosis. Because they included parents, children, siblings, and cousins, it's a multi-generational study, and it's the sort of analysis that's really almost impossible to do elsewhere. What they did is they got the medical records of people with autism to verify that diagnosis and then tracked back who their parents were, and also they tracked the siblings and cousins of those people with autism. They figured out if these siblings and cousins also had a diagnosis, and this way they were able to estimate the heritability. Each country has a slightly different diagnostic protocol, and while that's a challenge, they address this challenge by grouping the countries together the best they could. Because Denmark, Sweden, and Finland, together I will call Denland, have similar procedures, they were lumped together, and Western Australia and Israel were also lumped together. This sort of analysis has been done in twins. You've heard me talk about these twin studies. Twins are either identical or fraternal. Identical twins share 100% of their DNA, while fraternal twins share only half of their DNA. So scientists use this to assess the heritability of autism by comparing how often identical twins share a diagnosis compared to fraternal twins, and the numbers have varied across the years. In this case, the heritability estimates were done using siblings rather than twins and cousins. I love this. 
First, with millions of people included the analysis, they wanted to be sure that they were not including fraternal twins into the identical twin group, so they just didn't include twins at all. They just used siblings who share 50% of their DNA, but also share varying amounts of environmental influences. Second, because they can track back who is related via the mother versus the father and cousins, this is the sort of analysis that these Denland registry studies are poised to do. In Finland and Western Australia, they had a difficult time finding cousins, so they used their half-siblings instead. In this case, they either share a mother or a father, but not both. Listen, families are complicated, but this is an opportunity only a large database study can take advantage of. The top line is this. While there were significant variation in these estimates across studies, when averaged, there's an 80% heritability estimate of autism. That means 80% is heritable, meaning it's passed on from parents to child. Not that it's totally genetic, and I'll get to that in a minute. Now, most of what's passed from parent to child is genetic, and that's important. That leaves about 20% to the environment, depending on the country. Now, why is this a problematic estimate of things that are not related to DNA? The study looked at heritability. There are things like gene-environment interactions which could be heritable, which were not included in the model. This study modeled genes or environment, not the shared effects of the two together. Scientists actually have a really hard time measuring environment. We don't even know what we're exposed to, so how are scientists supposed to document it? There are also thousands of things that people can be exposed to across medical, toxicological, sociological influences. And the current models to assess heritability just aren't that great at incorporating the two. To do a gene-environment interaction analysis, scientists need clues on what genes and what environmental factors are of interest. And what researchers need to do this is blood or DNA. It is very unlikely that autism is caused by anything solely in the environment without involving DNA in some way, and that includes methylation of DNA, which is called epigenetics. This study didn't have DNA to study, and there's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with saying they didn't include the two together. It doesn't negate their findings, and in fact, they are totally open about this in the discussion. The researchers are not hiding anything, but the media is being a little bit misleading on how they communicate the findings of the study, saying things like it's 80% just genes. That's just not really true from this analysis. That means that environmental factors are not part of the 80% at all, when in fact they could be. It does mean that autism is highly heritable and it's part of your DNA, and scientists need to do more to identify those genes so gene-environment interactions can be better described. And it also does not mean that just because a maternal effect was not detected in this analysis, that things like maternal immune activation do not play a role. I just said that the environment is hard to measure, but this study was able to look at certain things which they lumped together as maternal factors. They include things like mother's age and obesity. The fact that they didn't find much was kind of surprising because this same collaboration did look at maternal age previously, and these same countries reported in 2016 that older mothers and fathers and very young mothers have an increased risk of having a child with autism. I expected that to be shown here, but... The other study included the same but also different families in their paper, so those changes would maybe have caused the difference. 
I digress. Who really cares about those fine-tuned details other than that finding was not replicated, which is why I was surprised. These new findings does not mean that maternal and paternal factors like age and immune activation are not involved. It means that this model and this approach was not able to identify specific maternal factors. And let me just say this again. This study was not designed to do that. It was not the question they were trying to answer. They say that. It's all in the open about the science. It's the media that's getting it wrong. Yes, it is true. 80% of autism comes from parents and other relatives transmitted through our DNA. Heritability means inherited genetic factors, but that doesn't exclude the role of other factors to alter the probability of a diagnosis. Twin studies have shown this as well. Scientists just need a diversity of studies to be able to answer these type of questions. Because of this, I'm putting in a plug for autism families to join something called Spark, which you can find by Googling Spark for Autism. It's an online database where families can put in behavioral features of family members and spit in a cup to get those specific DNA markers to study gene-environment interactions. Now, I'm not going to leave this podcast without thanking the investigators on the study for all their work. This 80% did not come from thin air. It came from fighting the government bureaucrats and letting these scientists let them use this new tool to combine data across countries. It required persistence in getting that data and identifying how to group them and what covariates should be included. It meant that these researchers had to doggedly chase down five different institutional review boards to get the analysis done, thousands of hours of programming time to provide these estimates and hundreds of hours on the phone, all for this number, which is importantly valuable in our understanding of what causes autism. And it's another flag that parents should remove the burden of guilt over anything they did or did not do to cause their child's autism. The fact that science has also linked things like ADHD and schizophrenia to ASD is also important because it's important to remember that those things are in the genes of people with autism as well and their family members. Both genes and environment matter, but it's important to study them together and stop pitting them against each other. By the way, I really hope parent guilt isn't a thing anymore. It really breaks my heart, although I kind of see why it could be. Thank you for listening this week. And apparently no matter where you live in the U.S., you're trying to beat the heat. Talk to you next week when we talk about people with autism and their perspectives on employment.